You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to a special edition of A's Cast Live. Chris Downs in with you. It has been a long time, and God knows we miss you. We miss the game. And hopefully, before you know it, we will get this 2022 Major League Baseball season rolling. Why are we on today? Well, today we talk about Hall of Fame voting and who is getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame. A lot of big names, a lot of controversy, a lot of huge names going off the ballot, and they'll their next chance of getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame will be through the Veterans Committee. We will have one player going into the Baseball Hall of Fame this summer in Cooperstown in the last weekend of July. That is David Ortiz. You got to get 75% of the ballot. Uh, he got 77.9, so David Ortiz will be the only player inducted into this year's Hall of Fame class. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, a three-time World Series champion, a World Series MVP, an American League Championship Series MVP, a 10-time All-Star, a seven-time Silver Slug Award winner, a two-time AL Hank Aaron Award winner, He won the Roberto Clemente Award in 2011. He led the American League in RBIs three times, and he also led the American League in home runs in 2006. He's already in the Red Sox Hall of Fame. His number 34 retired by the Boston Red Sox, and now he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. You just need to get 75. But one of the main reasons about doing this show is why him? and not other players. This is it for Barry Bonds, as he only got 66% of the vote. Roger Clemens got 65.2. Kurt Schilling dropped. He was in the 70s. He dropped as he said, don't vote for me. I'm over it at 58.6. Alex Rodriguez on the ballot. Thought it was interesting. What's it going to look like for for A-Rod, who is somebody who actually tested positive for steroids and was suspended, got only 34.3%. I mean, you got great players here. I mean, Gary Sheffield, you look at his resume. He only got 40.6% of the vote. Andrew Jones, one of the greatest center fielders of all time, 41.4. Todd Helton was a great player and first baseman for the Colorado Rock for the Colorado Rockies, just got 52%. But the big question, obviously, is about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. What was going to happen when you run down their statistics, when you run down their achievements? It's a no-brainer. Barry Bonds is a seven-time National League MVP, a 14-time All-Star, an eight-time Gold Glove winner, a 12-time Silver Slug Award winner, three-time Hank Aaron Award winner, two-time NL batting champion, two-time NL 
home run leader. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Major League Baseball records for Barry Bonds. No one has hit more home runs at 762. No one has hit more home runs in a single season at 73. No one has walked more in the history game, in the history of the game, 2,558. Most walks in a season, 232. On base percentage in a single season, 609. Slugging percentage in a single season, 863. It just goes on and on and on. How do you have a Hall of Fame without Barry Bonds? Throw in Roger Clemens, who won 354 games, a seven-time Cy Young Award winner, a two-time World Series champion, an 11-time All-Star. He won an MVP as a pitcher in 1986 a two-time triple crown winner as a pitcher, a four-time leader in wins, a seven-time leader in ERA, a five-time leader in strikeouts, uh, holds the record twice. He's tied, but twice he struck out 20 in a game. He's on the all-century team, for God's sakes, and he's in the Red Sox Hall of Fame. But these guys are not going in. Kurt Schilling, lifetime, 11-2 and two in the postseason, a three-time World Series champion, one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. Sammy Sosa, over 600 home runs. These guys are not going in, but David Ortiz is. And we've asked this question as we bring in the commander, Commander Cody. How have you been? It's been a long time. Let everybody know how you're doing. And, yes, you are a survivor of COVID. Uh, yes, I am. Um, we went to San Diego, my wife and I, for New Year's, and we found out New Year's Eve that we tested positive for COVID-19. We're, we were both vaccinated and boosted, so that, that really helped mild the uh, symptoms that we had. Uh, quarantined in a hotel room for two days, and then uh, drove all the way back up to uh, San Jose from San Diego. That's nothing but a nice little pleasant nine-hour drive in the car from San Diego, but we, uh, we were fine, and you know we're back, back at it, and I've been looking forward to doing this with you because of everyone knows how much we love talking about the Hall of Fame. And you already went through Clemens and you went through Bonds and you and you mentioned Schilling, who asked to not be on the ballot this year. Sammy Sosa is the only player in the history of baseball to hit 60 home runs in three different seasons. All three times, he never led the league in home runs when he hit 60 or more. That's because Mark McGuire and two of them and Barry Bonds and the other. Sosa is, uh, along with McGuire, is known for saving the game of baseball in 1998, but we don't have him in the Hall of Fame, a museum about baseball. He was an MVP, a seven-time All-Star, a home run derby champion, six-time Silver Slugger, and a um, he hit 609 career home runs, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Now, David Ortiz, you mentioned his career numbers in the regular season. Let's look at his career numbers in the postseason. In 85 postseason games, Big Poppy hit 289, with 22 doubles, two triples, 17 home runs, 61 RBI, and 51 runs scored. And in that playoff series against the Yankees in the 2004 ALCS, he went 12 for 31. That's a 387 batting average, three homers, and 11 RBIs in seven games. And he also had a walk-off in games four and five. Now, he's the 58th player to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and just the 14th since 2014. He's the first since who? Oh, Jeter. Jeter, who fell one, one vote shy of uh, being unanimous. How so. ridiculous is this? <laughs> if you got to watch, and I didn't get to watch it. I was in my car. So for some reason, there's certain channels on my Xfinity for mobile. 
that unless I'm in my house, I can't watch that channel. And for some reason, MLB Network is on that. So I only got to watch it when I got home on Twitter. Uh, Tom Verducci did that opening for what's going to happen this year. Cy Young, the guy who won 511 games, a record that will never be touched. The guy who has the most complete games in the history. Do you know how many ballots it took him? Four. Two. Oh, I guess. I, I David know. Ortiz is a first ballot Hall of Famer in Cy Young. Joe DiMaggio wasn't a first ballot. I'm not going to hate on David Ortiz. I'm fine with David Ortiz being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, for years, and I and I don't agree with it, and I'm glad that for some reason, you know, the baseball writers wised up that the DH is a vital role. Whether this guy doesn't play defense or not, this guy's contributions to a victory in a lot of games is big time. I mean, you've seen, so basically the DH, when it came to the American League, essentially evolved into star players who no longer were good defensive players as Father Time doesn't lose, that these players started to lose certain skills defensively, but they could still hit. And, you know, bottom line, you can still rake. There's a place for you. Now, you're a liability if you're an older Reggie Jackson in the outfield or a Dave Winfield or in the infield a, a, a George Brett a Paul Molitor type player, but yet these guys who were star players and Hall of Famers, they could still hit and be very productive players and play well into their 30s, if not into their 40s. And that's what the DH role became. And then that evolved into taking guys who, let's face it, Edgar Martinez, as a young man, was a liability on defense, right? If we went back and look at their metrics, David Ortiz or Edgar Martinez, we can just use them as the example, that they were guys that they're not good defensively. Doesn't make them bad guys. But offensively, they mash. And they play a huge part in the games, in the lineup, so much to where when their teams went to a National League park, there was the dilemma, how do we get this guy in the lineup? And you look at David Ortiz's numbers, his lifetime numbers are incredible. Um, you know, a career 286 hitter, 541 home runs, 1,768 RBIs, on and on and on. He had an unbelievable career. I do believe he should be a Hall of Famer. Um, the problem is he is the gray area. There's no getting around it. There was a time in baseball. See, baseball Baseball didn't have a problem. And I'm not speaking for the game, but just – and I'm speaking as a fan here and as someone who's covered this game for a long time, as someone who worked through the steroid era. Baseball had a problem. They canceled their World Series, and it really ticked off a lot of people. 
and it, it hurt baseball long-term. There's no question about it. And if you remember what it was like back then, some people said, I'm not watching baseball anymore. Some people said, I am not going to give my money, my support to this game. And some of them actually never came back, unfortunately. But slowly but surely, certain things happen and happened in our game that brought people back. It brought the romantic side of baseball back. It brought the history back in baseball. It made you love the game again. And it really is three people. At some point, I don't know how we truly go back because it, it, people act like there's this black cloud. But you go back, three guys brought baseball back. And I don't know if there's anybody, you know, what we're going through right now. I don't know what this will look like, this part of baseball history in the timeline where we are in 2022. But I do know this. The first guy to bring baseball back was Cal Ripken Jr. and his streak. It made people want to enjoy baseball again, to celebrate a man who goes to work every day, even though there's some people who it wasn't very popular, who criticized, well, maybe if Cal took a day off, that would have been different. Maybe could have been better for his team. Cal didn't want to do it. Um, I'm on record of saying one day off doesn't make a difference. I think it's absolutely And you can talk to any, any doctor, especially a orthopedic surgeon, talk to an athletic trainer. You give a guy one day off. And those days off usually mean the guy still shows up to the ballpark. He still takes batting practice. He, now, I, you want to give Cal some time after the season? Tell him to go away for a week and get on the couch and watch. They didn't have Netflix then, but go watch TBS and watch, watch a bunch of Gilligan's Islands reruns and clear your head. That would have been a vacation because Cal never had a vacation. Cal played every day. He was at the All-Star game. He never had an All-Star break. So, but what Cal did really resonated with a lot of different people. And if you remember, I think ESPN did an incredible job where ESPN started going around and finding Americans out there who had not missed a day of work. And if you remember, they would go talk to somebody who works in the food industry, somebody who works for whatever field, someone who works in the government. They started going all around saying, you know, teachers, I haven't missed, you know, a teacher, I haven't missed a day of school in 20 years. I remember there was this one, I want to say there was this one cook in Baltimore that they ESPN interviewed who hadn't missed a day of work in like 40 something years. It was incredible, right? The president of the United States at the time, Bill Clinton, was showing up to Camden Yards. I mean, this was a big deal. The country, everyone got behind Cal Ripken Jr. How could you not? The streak was amazing. And then we celebrated Lou Gehrig. You know, Lou Gehrig's disease, a horrible disease that has taken so many lives, that's been named after this guy, that's been named after this great player. And, and, and by giving, you know, ALS... Then, you know, Lou Gehrig, the name, it got people behind it and, and helped educate people behind it and raised a lot of money to help fight it. And then here's Cal Ripken Jr. honoring Lou Gehrig and, and, and helping move the game forward. So that was a great moment. He was the first. And then came the home run race. And the home run race for all of us was awesome. 
Now, was it aided by steroids? No question. But was it awesome? Yeah, it was. And that's where we've gotten into this super gray area of who's okay to be in the Hall of Fame and who is not. Because it's not black and white. If it was black and white, you would say everybody who is affiliated in any way with success and performance-enhancing drugs should not be in the Hall of Fame. Or they should be in the Hall of Fame. Life doesn't work that way, but that's kind of what would be fair. And why do I put it that way? Because you know what? That means Bud Selig. That means our friend Tony LaRussa, Joe Torre, Bobby Cox, just not players, managers. If you really wanted to say we're keeping the people who were successful in this sport out of the Baseball Hall of Fame because of PEDs, don't we know? We know. There's no way the managers didn't know. There's no way the sport didn't know. They turned a blind eye. And it's also on the players. If you remember back, Donald Fear used to run the players' union and used to threaten war if you wanted tests for steroids. So the players' union didn't want to have tests. They didn't want to test their players. Go back and look at history of the game. It's everybody was at fault. But this was the ballot that we really looked at and said, okay, David Ortiz, they did random testing, and they tested players, and no one was going to get popped if you test. They just wanted to see, okay, how many players are actually doing it. So players got tested. They were not going to be punished. This was to help set the precedent for the future. And baseball then realized, wow, we got a lot, a lot of guys tested positive. And there's this whole, I remember J.P. Morosi, John Paul, I had him on my show. And he stuck up for David Ortiz because it got leaked. Some guys got leaked that they tested positive. One of those guys that got leaked was David Ortiz. And for some reason, there was this big media outcry to clear David Ortiz's name. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I remember there's no proof of it. We're not sure about it. I, we can't go off of that. So it was like, wait a minute. This got leaked. Other players got leaked. But why are we trying to defend Big Poppy so much and not the other players who got leaked? It was very, I thought it was always odd. But, you know, it's not like David Ortiz, and this is not totally fair, but it's not like David Ortiz was a world beater in Minnesota. David Ortiz's career at some point, the light switch went on, happened in multiple sports where a guy was just a guy and then turns to greatness. But David Ortiz was not a great player, turned into be a great player. And it just so happened during the height of the steroid era. And so the big question for me, and I know, Cody, we've, we've tossed this around, was, okay, 
Are you going to vote David Ortiz in knowing what you know because everybody likes Big Poppy? And we know in life, when people like you, they will look the other way. When you're somebody who's been good to a lot of people, obviously been good for for the city of Boston, the way he stood up after the Marathon Bomber and what went on with the Boston Marathon and what he means to that city, people like Big Poppy. Why not? He seems like a hell of a guy. Never heard anybody say anything bad about Big Poppy. And kids, if you're out there listening, it just goes to show when you're a kind, good person, things go your way. People will help you out. To where on the flip side, Barry Bonds and Clemens are not that guy. Never have been, never will be. They're prickly. I mean, that's being kind. Knowing behind the scenes, more Bonds and Clemens for me. I loved Roger Clemens growing up, but I've heard all the stories. Clemens is a tough guy to deal with, and God knows Bonds might be one of the worst guys ever to deal with. And that's just not media. They don't have a whole – these guys are – I mean, look how long they played. Barry Bonds played from 1986 to 2007. That's a pretty long career, 22 seasons. Roger Clemens played from 84 to 07. That is 24 seasons. You got guys that played over 40 years of baseball, and they don't have a whole lot of friends in the game. That should tell you a lot, but that shouldn't matter. Kurt Schilling, his politics should matter. We're not even talking about steroids with, with or PEDs with Kurt Schilling. We're talking about post-career politics and how he feels. So it's been a very murky gray area. How does Big Poppy get in, voted in, first ballot, and yet Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Rafael Palmero, let's not forget him, 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. These guys are not all getting in, but they're not media darlings. The one guy at all these guys, well, Sammy Sosa was a media darling at one point. But the one guy who's the media darling darling gets in, the gray area. The writers showed their true colors today. We're going to look the other way for the guy we really like. And for the guys we really don't like, they're not getting in. We're going to let the Veterans Committee now deal with that. Commander, step in. Agree, disagree with anything I said. Go ahead. Well, one, I saw earlier as an announcement came out that I believe in, as early as December, uh, Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, and Sosa could be on the Today's Game uh, era ballot. So they still have a chance this year to maybe be elected, but they still have to get 75% of the votes, so we'll see how that goes. You mentioned David Ortiz in Minnesota. He played there for a total of six years. 266 hitter, 58 home runs, 238 RBI. In his 14 years in Boston, almost 500 home runs, 1,500 RBI, and hit 290. So something clearly changed, and you mentioned, and 
He was in that report in 2003 where his name was leaked among a, a more than 100 players in baseball that tested positive for a steroid or steroids. Uh, even A-Rob was on that list, who was on the ballot this time for the as a first ballot guy. And I think he got like, what was it, like 39% of the vote or something like that. I think uh, 30, well, technically you sent it to me, so hold thir- 30, on. 34.3% uh, of the vote is wow, what A-Rod got. He got really low. Uh, it's 135 votes he got. Now, Big Poppy got 307 votes, which made him at 70, 77.9 or 80% of the vote. But looking at what you mentioned with Schilling, it is a lot of his post it, – well, it is his post-career. And a lot of people said he wasn't a good guy either, like the, easy to deal with. But the Baseball Hall of Fame, were, it's different than the National Football League and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They don't have a character clause in, for the NFL – where baseball has the character clause, and it says the Hall, of Fame, the Hall of Famers shall be chosen on the basis of playing ability, sportsmanship, character, their contribution to the teams on which they played, and to baseball in general. Well, Kurt Schilling's character, after his career, hasn't been the, the greatest, and his politics have gotten in the way for him, and his deleted tweet from like five or six years ago about the journalists and all that stuff, like there's a lot of stuff he's done on social media that's Kept him out of the Hall of Fame. And last year we saw, I think we read it live on Ace Cast Live, where he said... Oh, wait, wait, wait. The character clause is for when you're a player, right? No, this is for the Hall of Fame. It's for Hall of Fame. No, no. As a player. Yeah, yeah. But but they but they look at the character from... I, I think it doesn't say... It's, it's, it's about your career as a player. They're invoking... If they're invoking... If there's anybody who's not... A, if there's... I don't know Kurt Schilling. I've never dealt with Kurt Schilling, to be honest with you. He's, I've never interviewed him. I've never, I've seen him. Like I've been in clubhouses where he was in. I've, I, you know, he's one of the really good players I've never come across. So I don't know. I've never personally dealt with Kurt Schilling. But if you're invoking the character clause, you're, as a voter, aren't you voting for what that character was as a player? You would think post career character. You would think because look how many guys that are that are bad well bad guys they got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but I know well, they, I, but they don't look at character. Let's keep it apples to apples here. Yeah, you're voting for a you're voting for a player's career, and if you're going to invoke, if you're going to say I'm not, if you're going to say this guy's a Hall of Fame talent, he's a Hall of Fame player. But I'm not voting for him because the character clause. Shouldn't you use that character clause from his time in uniform, not his time from retirement on? Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think that you should be looking at what he do, what they're doing post career because it has nothing to do with it. Kurt Schilling was a Hall of Fame. Pit. What he did in the postseason is remarkable, but he's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame because of what he did post-career. Now, I, we don't know anything about his career when he was actually playing for Philly or uh, or the Diamondbacks or Baltimore and the Red Sox, but the, but we know what he's done post-career. And that's what's – uh, it's, it's a shame, but I think that's what the writers are doing is they're keeping him out because of his post-career, not because of something they heard when he was playing. I'm sure when, all the, when Buster and Ken Rosenthal and everyone were covering the Orioles – I'm pretty sure you know they didn't hear a lot of bad stuff about Kurt Schilling, but who knows? We don't. I mean, we don't know that. We weren't around teams yeah. back then, so we don't know what kind of play- character he was when he played the game. 
But I know from my personal experience as a 33-year-old person, he was a Hall of Fame pitcher from watching him. That 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks team was incredible because of him and Randy Johnson. Now, Luis Gonzalez had a really good year, too. I don't want to take anything away from him. But Kurt Schilling in the postseason, as you mentioned, was 11-2. and two. Not many guys can do that. And we're keeping him out because of he's a bad guy. Fine, but make it a bad guy. You don't want him in because he was a bad guy when he played. And now he's not going to get in um, because he doesn't want them voting for him, and they didn't. I mean, you saw his ballot drop from 71% to, what, if he round up to 59 So clearly people didn't vote for him, and he lost votes. Our good friend Paul Hembikides, I got to see this earlier today from the show Get Up, where Hembo obviously is a lot like us. The Hall of Fame means a lot. We love talking about the Hall of Fame. We love talking about whether a guy should be a Hall of Famer based on his career. Obviously, a lot of things are going on now that are different than that. And Hembo had to say today, and we value his opinion, Hembo said today, and I've heard this argument, they want to separate the plaque room from the museum, even though the plaque room is in the museum. I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame three times. All right? My grandfather's got all kinds of his stuff from when he played in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They got it there in the bowels of Cooperstown. And I've been down there, and I've seen it. It's pretty cool. It's a museum. The plaque room is actually, last time I checked, Cody, you've been there. The plaque room's in the museum. It's not like there's the museum and then you got to walk outside, walk down the street, and go to the plaque room. The plaque room is actually in the museum. Am I correct from the three times I was there? I don't think they've done construction and moved the plaque room out of the museum since I was last there in 1999 when I was there when Nolan Ryan, George Brett, Robin Yount, and Orlando Cepeda, I was there when they went in on that last weekend of July. Am I correct that they have not move the plaque room outside of the museum. I'm going to have to agree with you because when I went, I was 10 years old and it was the year prior to you going in 1999. So, but I do remember it all being in there because I went right after um, Sosa and McGuire had the home run race. My dad took me because he knew how much I liked Sammy Sosa. That's why we went. Now you're asking me to remember 23 years ago what the what the Hall of Fame looked like. It's kind of hard for when I was 10 years old, but that's fair. But I bet if we like <laughs> did like pictures of what the Hall of Fame looks like in 2022, I still think the plaque room is. It's actually when you walk through the front door, it's one of the for the gift shops. Unless they've done construction, the gift shops to the right, the plaque room is right straight at you, and then to the left is the rest of me. But the plaque room is in the museum. And the reason why I say that is people want to make that separate. They want to say, we can still honor these players in the timeline. There's this beautiful timeline that they have there, that they have all these artifacts from baseball history. They've got anything from, like, wives, charm bracelets to Cy Young. You know, Cy Young had a license plate that said 511. And on one side of the 511 was C, the other was Y. I mean, they've got all this super cool stuff about 
all the greatness that is baseball and what these players' families have donated through the years. And they've got all the baseballs, bats, cleats, gloves, and all the stuff from all these special moments. They've got every World Series ring that's ever been given out. They've got all this stuff. And what people like to say is that, well, you can find a Barry Bonds this or a Mark McGuire that or a Roger Clemens this all in the museum. But being voted in and being a Hall of Famer is different. And I just wonder, and I hate to say this, has the Baseball Writers Association and this process, has it jumped the shark? Now, that's a old Happy Days reference when Fonzie tries to jump the shark and the show fell off the cliff and it was done as one of the great American shows back in television. Has the process of how we decide who's the greatest players of all time and should be recognized as the greatest players of all time, has the process jumped the shark? Look at it this way, and I'll say this quickly. The all-time hits king, the all-time home run champion, and the all-time Cy Young Award winner and one of the best strikeout pitchers of all time are not in a museum about the sport of baseball. That's like saying Tom Brady is not going to go in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's like saying Wayne Gretzky isn't going to be in the isn't shouldn't be in the NHL Hall of Fame. And it's like saying Michael Jordan shouldn't be in the basketball the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. It, it I just don't, I, I'll never understand it. And I think that have, uh, the writers having so much power has been the way it's been the old guard of how baseball has been for well over 150 years. That's why I think broadcasters should have more of a say in the Hall of Fame process. You're telling me that Ken Korak doesn't have a better opinion than someone who just joined as a Hall of Fame voter because they entered their 10th year or I forget what the criteria is to be a writer. You're not going to value Ken Korak or, um, let's see, um, there's a guy, Vince Scully. Um, he knows a lot about baseball. You're, gonna, you're not going to value his opinion. Like I, just, I, I think broadcasters should have more of a say. That's how I feel about it. No, disparage, I'm not disparaging the writers. I think broadcasters should be a part of the process. I don't know what the process should be. I just know the process is now broken. It's it, it, it's it's morality police. It's people having opinion on stuff that, you know, what do they know? What do they not know? How do they do their ballot? Are they really even baseball people anymore? I think just in the Bay Area alone, we have a bunch of just because they've been writers for a long time that they get votes. It, there, there's there's people who don't cover the sport of baseball and haven't covered the sport for years who have votes. There's people who are retired from writing for newspapers or from writing in general who still have votes. The process is broken. Even though they tried recently to shrink the number and take some ballots away, the process is broken. And when a process is broken, it starts to cheapen what we're looking at here. Because right now, I can tell you, I think for the most part, a lot of people don't care. This used to be a big deal. And I think a lot of people just go, eh. I will not forget a line from a Jeff Passan article 
that was in late December. Might have been just right after the first of the year. It was one of the things that Jeff Passan did, where he was talking to a longtime baseball person. He made it kind of vague who this person was, but this person, essentially, we know who he is. He's been in the game a long time. And he said, the problem with the game right now, it's frightening irrelevant. And I remember reading that, and that was so powerful. Frightening irrelevant. And at this time, this was supposed to be a big date. This is supposed to be a big deal. This is a guy who's getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Big Poppy, who has had some of the great moments for us baseball fans. Big Poppy's had some of the great moments we've ever seen a player have. Hell, didn't he hit his 500th home run at the Coliseum? We what? Or was it his 400th? Uh, oh, good question. Um... He had a milestone home run. I watched it. Big Poppy at the Coliseum either hit number 400 or five or probably 400. One of his or 450 or something. It was a special home run. He got standing ovation from the greatness that is the Oakland A's fans. One of his might have been three, could have been 300. Hell, I've been covering him a long time. Uh, but one of his big home runs came in Oakland. I mean, Big Poppy, I'm cool with him get being a Hall of Famer. I'm cool with him being first ballot. That's fine. And I wish we could celebrate him today. But because of his murky past and the way that they voted on all the other guys who had better careers than he had. And I understand you can look at numbers for Bonds. Bonds did stuff at at an age. Clemens did stuff at an age. Players are not supposed to do because you don't get better with age. But it happened. We saw it. And to ignore the greatness that is Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens to Sammy Sosa to Mark McGuire to Rafael Palmero, on and on and on and on, Kurt Schilling, on and on and on, it's, it's I, don't, I don't know what to call it. I just know it's not right. And you can say, hey, listen, they still got cleats and balls and bats in the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's good enough. I don't agree. You're trying to you're trying to erase the greatest players of all time based on I guess your moral values or your judgment, however it is, but the process of how we have selected guys and we're selecting guys at this point doesn't work and it's jumped the shark. Did you figure it out? Yeah, I did. I was wrong. It actually was his four with home run at the Coliseum. And here's what he said after. That was pretty cool. Um, you're playing on the road and you get something like that done on the road and people really appreciate it. Talking about the standing ovation that the Ace fans gave him. This happened yeah. in this happened in 2012. Yeah. No, I was. I remember it was. It was a day game when he did it, and he hit the song. You're like, wow, you know that 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 used to be a huge number, four hundred. Yeah, he was a 49th player to reach that to reach the four hundred. Yeah, four hundred is a lot of home runs, man. That's a lot of home runs. It's a huge number to hit four hundred home runs. That he did in front of us at the Coliseum. It was special. So I'm happy for him. All all the success and you know. 
what those guys did for Boston and turning around the uh, the curse of the Bambino and, you know, generation after generation of Boston fans uh, went lifetimes without seeing their team win a World Series. You know, a lot of my family lives in Massachusetts and they're all big Red Sox fans. I had family members who, big Red Sox fans, never saw the Red Sox win the World Series. So when the Red Sox won the World Series, same thing with the Cubs. It was a huge, huge deal. Boston is a baseball town. It's one of the great baseball towns that we have. And Big Poppy was a big, uh, Big Poppy was a big part of that. Using the word big, maybe a little too much. But yeah, he was a huge part of that of them winning the world series and breaking that curse and winning, you know, you know, winning those world series. I mean, he's had an, he had an incredible career. You're a three-time world series champion. Dan Rosillo on Twitter uh, put out a picture and saying, you know, hopes a big Bobby gets in and had a picture of the three beautiful championship ranks. He's that guy's that guy was a leader of that team. It's a huge part of three championships. He should be celebrated. And so should, the, so, so should these other guys. And for the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I know they got a new president, they really need, because what, what people need to understand is the Baseball Hall of Fame is independent of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball does not run the Baseball Hall of Fame. Major League Baseball does not choose the policies of the Hall of Fame. Maybe the Hall of Fame really needs to think about how do we select the guys, what's best? How do we select these guys going forward? Do we do it the archaic way, which is just the baseball writers, which they're not even baseball writers anymore. There's not. There's very few baseball writers. This is not the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, 70s, 80s. Newspapers are dying. We have very few national baseball writers anymore. And we have a lot of columnists who don't even have jobs anymore who vote. And even if they do have jobs, they don't cover baseball anymore. That's why I don't want to pick on people in the Bay Area, but we have people who don't cover baseball at all still have votes for the Baseball Hall of Fame. The system is broken. You have way too many non-baseball people voting on this. Can't say it enough. I don't know what the right way is. Cody, you don't know. But you know what? That's not us to decide. That's not, that's not what we do. That's not our, our responsibility. But I can pick out when something's not right. When this model, when your business model isn't right, when people say, well, um, the fact that they got balls and gloves and cleats inside the Hall of Fame, there's their representation, but you can't put them in that plaque room because that's different, even though the plaque room is in the museum. It is a museum that's about the history of the game. Museums are about to museums are about what happened in the game or what happened in that period of time that your museum's about. If you go to the World War I Museum in Kansas City, it's phenomenal. It's rated a top 10 museum in our country. There's a lot of horrific stuff in there. More people died in World War I than any other conflict this world has ever seen. 
it's gruesome at times, but it tells the history of World War One, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the same thing, I think the World War II Museum is in Louisiana. I want to say maybe even in New Orleans or whatever the museum or you go to Washington, D.C., museums, Smithsonian's. They tell you the history. And if you're going to tell me I'm walking in that plaque room and I've got inferior guys to Barry Bonds, Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, they got plaques and these guys don't, something's missing. Something's wrong. And the fact, and and the sad thing is, it's almost like, what what do you want to do? Let's wait till the guys pass away and then we put them in. I mean, for God's sakes, how long are you going to penalize these guys? You're not going to penalize Big Poppy because he was a good interview, because he's perceived as a good guy. But these other guys, you're going to penalize them because you don't like them? I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Because if you're putting in guys, because there's rumors of recent players that have gone in, not going to single them out, but there's been guys that have gone in recently who have been voted in, gotten over the 75%, where there's rumors about them in PEDs. So basically, your voting model says, I know that this era has a lot of murkiness, but I'll vote for the guys I like personally versus the guys I don't like personally. And when that's your model, your model's broken. That's a that's what like that's that ties back a lot a little bit to the um, character and sportsmanship closets in there because of how you know the relationships they had with the players when they played. I, I don't care if Ryder X was best friends with Barry Bonds or not. Is he one of the greatest hitters of all time? The answer is absolutely yes. And you're asking someone who does not like him because of well what he did in Pittsburgh and he left and. Well, he kind of had to leave. They weren't going to pay him, but and he couldn't throw out Sid Bream on one leg, but let's not go there. But I still think he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. Roger Clemens has seven Cy Young Awards. He's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Pete Rose is the all-time hits king. He should be in as well, but we don't we can't even get him on the ballot. And that's a different discussion for a different day. But the, I I'm one hundred percent with you on the, the voting process is broken. I still think broadcasters, again, Need to be a part of it. You're like guys like Vin Scully, um, uh, John Miller. You know, guys. You know, individuals that are, that are Hall of Famers already for what they've done. You're telling me that they can't have an opinion, but a writer who has hasn't covered a game in 15 years has a better, you know, better, uh, more power on the Hall of Fame than they do. I, I that doesn't sit well with me. But you mentioned Ortiz and Barry Bonds, and I saw this on Twitter, and I wanted to bring it up to you. I saw this earlier. David Ortiz in 2,408 games, we won over his numbers, had four, or 541 homers, a 1,768 RBI, and he was a 53.3 war. Barry Bonds from 1986 to 2000, so this is before he broke the home run record, and he, won, and he went on to play seven more years after this, played in 2,143 games. That's 300 less than Poppy. He had 2,157 hits, 494 home runs, and an, an 110.5 war <laughs> over that span but he's not in the hall of fame i mean come on what do, i mean what are we doing he also won the gold glove eight times uh david ortiz has never sniffed a gold glove then again that's what happens when you're a dh but still i, I just the bonds thing doesn't sit well with me so i mean sosa sh- should get more run for the hall of fame kurt schilling's another one i mean 
love him or hate him, A Rod was one of the best players of his generation. I mean, what he by did. By the he- way, it, it, seriously, if you just wanted to look at numbers, three time American League MVP, 14 time All Star, a World Series champion, a two time Gold Glover, 10 time Silver Slugger Award winner, a four-time American League Hank Aaron Award winner, a batting champion, a five-time American League home run leader, and a two-time Major League Baseball RBI leader, uh, a 295 career batting average, 3,115 hits, 696 home runs, and 2,086 RBIs, those are Alex Rodriguez credentials. Oh, also don't forget, the only player to ever receive two $250 million contracts. I mean, <laughs> I understand there's a lot of advantages to PEDs, but you still got to show up every day and play, and you still – it's still see ball, hit ball. You still got to – I mean – Lesser players can take PEDs, and they don't become the type of players. We're not talking about guys. We're not talking about players who took PEDs to be great players. They were great players who took PEDs, and but they're, they're not. They're not. They weren't below average, barely making it. Guys, that's not who Barry Bonds is. It's not who Roger Clemens is. It's not who Alex Rodriguez is. Obviously, Kurt Schilling and and Pete Rose are 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 not getting in for different reasons. But once again, the systems will celebrate Big Poppy, and we'll celebrate Big Poppy. Uh, I believe in. Are we going to go back to the last weekend of July? I think that's like, what the plan is. Like as, traditionally, I think that's what the plan is as of now. So it'll be it'll be him and Jim Jim Cott and Minnie Minuso and um, uh, I forget how many other people are going in as well on top of uh, Tim Kirkchin who's going in for the you know the the Spink Award. Um, so there's been a lot of people you know with Poppy being the only one elected. I mean after not having one last year, no one be elected last year. Uh, Kurt Kurt Schilling being the highest vote getter. Um, I mean we're like you said we're gonna celebrate him. He is one of the greatest postseason hitters I've ever seen. And what he did for Boston, the curse of the baby, as you mentioned, the three World Series, his best World Series might have been the last one he won because um, he was just – I mean, he was – and what he did his final year, what, what like 40 or 41, he should have been the MVP in the American League, uh, is remarkable. Now, there's another guy on the ballot, and I know he hits close home – hits close to home for you. Jeff Kent this year, uh, who he should get more run than he does. Mine's Billy Wagner. of the vote Jeff Kent got. Now, yesterday I was watching a clip that was on uh, MLB Now's Twitter. It was BK and Mad Dog talking about uh, Jeff Kent or Jimmy Rollins for the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Rollins is the only player that was on the ballot for the first time that actually hit past 5% of the vote. So him, Poppy, and A-Rob are the three. I don't understand why you would compare Jimmy Rollins and Jeff Kent. There's no comparison. Jeff Kent should be a Hall of Famer. Jeff Kent's numbers, 55.5 war, five-time All-Star, MVP, four-time Silver Slugger, 377 batting average, two ni- or 377 career home runs, 290 batting average. 
I mean, what are we doing? Why why is he not getting more? It's like people go once again. It's a flawed system. What do you have against Jeff Kent? Well, he he had all these numbers, right? Most home runs as a second baseman. Uh, I believe most RBIs as a second baseman. They well, he wasn't a second baseman. I don't know. I kept score for all these games that Jeff Kent played in. I covered a ton of games that Jeff Kent played in. And when I put him in my score sheet and when I put him at his defensive position, guess where he was playing? Second base. Second base. Whether you thought he should be a third baseman or he should be an outfielder, whatever the hell. He played the position. He didn't suck at second base. He didn't hurt you. He made the plays. For God's sakes, he won an MVP. He played at that point was what? Pac Bell Park to SBC Global to 18. Was not a hitter's ballpark. Jeff Kent, what do you have? Over 1,500 RBIs? He had, yeah, yeah. 1,518. So play, actually playing, if you take all the guys who played second base, he's got what? The most, just as, because I know there was a, a, a time with the Mets uh, or the Blue Jays where he didn't play second. The majority of his career from San Francisco, Houston, L.A., the majority of his career was at second base. All the times he played second base, no one hit more homers or drove in more runs, right? Yeah. But yet, these guys on the will vote will say, well, he really wasn't a second baseman. How's a guy not really a second baseman when he played second base? Yeah. And the, the argument I heard that, that – It just doesn't make sense. The argument, the argument I heard BK trying to make, Brian Kenny, was that his defensive metrics because there's new metrics out for the Hall of Fame. Well, okay, I completely respect that. But, you're, but, again, the numbers are there for him, and he should be in, but yet – David Ortiz couldn't play defense, and we're put, and he gets he's going to the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, where are we drawing the line here? Yeah, fifteen hundred and eighteen RBIs, three hundred and seventy-seven dingers, and a two ninety average. And you're saying, I'm not saying he was Roberto Alomar. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But he didn't hurt you defensively. He was a winning ball player. And I just, I, it's just, it's like that. That's where maybe numbers need to really get more involved. Like, put it this way Edgar Martinez drove in so fewer amount of runs. I mean, you can't even, like, Edgar can't play defense. Ed, I'm like, Jeff can't. Scored more runs than Edgar Martinez did. He drove in more runs than Edgar Martinez did. He stole more bases than Edgar Martinez. He did everything more than Edgar Martinez, except, wait a minute, Edgar had 2,247 hits. Jeff Kent had 2,461. I mean, now I know Jeff Kent had more, I believe, more at-bats. But Jeff Kent was a more productive, had bigger numbers offensively, and play defense, Edgar Martinez couldn't even get on the field. So it's just, we need to rethink it. If, if you, going forward, if you want to keep this thing a relevant deal, like, put it this way. 
Start like if you're the baseball hall of fame. How long have we been going, by the way? Uh, we're closing on an hour. Okay. If you want to keep this whole baseball hall of fame election day thing like mattering in the in the sports world, because now your talking points are gone. Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, Sosa, they're gone. Whether you like them or not, greatest players who have ever lived and done some of the greatest things we've ever seen on a field. That they're they're gone. Big Poppy now in. If you think you're gonna be selling Cooperstown and induction ceremony on Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, whoa. Good luck. Whoa. Good luck. Don't take shots at Billy Wagner like that. He won up this year. I'm just saying, if that's what you're selling long term, like who who coming down the path? You don't have a group of players coming that are going to spark interest in this thing. Do we? Uh, I'm looking. Let me look. Um, I mean, when you want to look like future Hall of Fame, okay, I give you Albert Pools. One dude, one year. Who you got coming down the pipe? I mean, you've crapped on Todd Helton. You've crapped on Wagner. You've crapped on Jones. You're giving Sheffield and A-Rod no shot. Who do you got? I'm like, after this year, who's coming down the line where you're going to have a guy we, we get excited about? Here's an interesting name for you. I'm, look, I'm looking at the first-time guys only. None of these guys are going to have any run whatsoever except for the last guy on here who had, the high, who had a 57.3 war, one of the greatest switch hitters of all time. That'd be Carlos Beltran is a guy that's going to win the ballot for the first time. Does the Astros thing, does that affect him from getting in the Hall of Fame? Look. Come on. I mean, we're, we're talking about character. This happened during his career. I mean, technically, technically, that should be worse than Schilling. Because that happened while he was playing. Yeah. That's one of the reasons they brought him there to be a leader. You're going after Schilling for what he did after he was playing. So, I just, once again, system's broken. I don't know how to judge it. What do you judge? Who are the other guys? Who are the first ballot guys next year? Uh, let me just go with the ones that have like that have a good war and um, Beltron, John Lackey, Jared Weaver. John Lackey, really? Weaver? No, no. Jacoby Ellsbury, no. no. Matt Matt Kane, no. No. <laughs> um, Jason Worth, no. No. Napoli, no. Um, okay, here's an interesting one for me. What about K Rod? No. I mean, if you want to this, if you look at his numbers, he had a 2.86 ERA, 437 career saves. He had the he has a single season record for most saves. I mean, he's Billy White. He has more career saves than Billy Wagner does. Billy Wagner has a much lower ERA, but still, I mean, that. But if you're looking at the the first ballot Hall of Famers, the only guy that's going to get any run is going to be Beltron. He's got. Remind me. There's something about him that something happened with him. K-Rod, I, I, I'd have to look at him. I don't know off the top of my head. And then if you want to go forward one more year, it'd be the 2024 ballot, but we'd vote in 2023. Yeah, see, here we go. So then now here we go. Uh, I just looked it up, Wikipedia. On August 11th, 2010, 
Rodriguez was arrested for allegedly assaulting Carlos Pena, the father of his girlfriend. After the Mets loss, Rodriguez was reportedly upset, was made remarks about Rodriguez's mother. Rodriguez remained in police custody, charged uh, in custody at City Field on a charge of third-degree assault, a misdemeanor in the state of New York, and was arraigned that afternoon, was released without bail. Da, 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 da. I don't know. Was charged with domestic violence in Wisconsin in 2012. Yeah, he's not he's not gonna Yeah, see I remember there, yeah, I remember there was some, you know, so I don't know. So so yeah. you're you're looking at Beltron. So flash forward one the the twenty twenty four ballot, twenty twenty three they'll announce it. Or no, it will be announced in twenty twenty four. Here you go. Here's a couple guys that are on there for the first time. Adrian Beltre, probably going on first ballot. Now, here's a couple guys to me that are, Beltre, that are interesting. Yeah. Does Joe Maurer get in on the first ballot? And does Chase Utley get in, period? God, if you're not going to put Jeff Ken in. Chase Utley has a higher war. and I know we look at war a lot for the Hall of Fame. He has totally. less home runs. Less RBI, uh, lower batting average, a lower OPS plus. I mean, everything's lower than uh, Jeff Kent for if you're looking at Chase Utley. Yeah, he never won an MVP. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's almost like we forget that Jeff Kent won an MVP. Yeah, he did. But what? But, but you know what? Kent wasn't Kent wasn't the friendliest guy. Once again, this. Too many of these things are getting down to how how people feel about players personally. Kent was not a friendly dude. And then the the other guy that's not going to get in, but I I always feel if he had a longer playing career, he had a shot because he almost had his numbers were almost just as good as Chase Utley, and he played until he's thirty three, and then his back fell apart on him. That'd be David Wright. If David Wright played a couple more years and put up numbers he was putting up, he could would have a be, could, he could be in the Discussion, but I think that year it's Beltre and maybe Joe Maurer, and then the the following years when I'm actually going to Cooperstown is when Etro uh, goes in on the first ballot. Yeah, David Wright. David Wright's not getting in. David Wright would go into that Don Mattingly category. Oh, absolutely. But he go. I think he's one of the um, best Mets players of all time. I mean, oh, and sure. I, I forgot. Not only did I forget about Beltre, I forgot about Etro. Yeah, both those guys are first ballot, no question. And then I know we're going way down the line when Ichiro goes in. That ballot's Ichiro, CC Sabathia. I'd put him in. Okay, here's one that kind of sparked a debate on on Twitter the other day, and I was talking with my friends about it. What about Dustin Pedroia? No, he he would go into that Don Manley category. He played until he's a little bit older. I agree. I don't. I Pedroia is a was a very good player, but I don't think he was a Hall of Fame caliber player. Well, he, he was on track. He was, yeah, absolutely. But he got the, that the knee gave out, and then he was never the same. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, you know, you're going to put in a guy with 725 RBIs and 140 home runs. I mean, it's unfortunate that you know if if, if Dustin Pedroia played, you know, a full career, if he would have got X amount of more years, yeah. Because his his you know, he's in the Don Manley career. His early years, I mean, what was he? 
he was rookie of the year, right? I want to say he was he was MVP in like his second, third, or fourth year, but then was never the same guy again. He was MVP his third year, rookie of the year his first full. Yeah, he debuted in 2006, but he only had 31 or 20, uh, 89 at bats. He won MVP his second year, rookie of the year. Obviously, his first year. It's his second year, yeah. So his first few years, he's hell on wheels. Well, I would say he he probably had it. He I would say that. And I don't have his stats in front of me, but I would probably say he had like four or five good years. He all right. So I'm looking at his numbers right now. Um, his MVP year in 2008, he was 24. He had a 100, 118 run score, 213 hits, which led baseball. 54 doubles, which led baseball. 17 Great. homers, 83 RBI, 20 home run or 20 stolen bases. Hit 326. Um, he had an. I mean, he was a career 299 hitter, but his best years. I mean, his. At his age 32 year, he played in 154 games. He hit 318 that year, but then he started falling apart. He played in 105, then three, and then six, and then his career was over. But if you want to look at, like, if you want to, it depends on how you categorize a very good year, but I'm just going to look at his best years where he actually played in. Um, from 2008 to 2014, he was a career 299 hitter with 96 homers, 489 RBI, and in 981 games. Now, he had an injury played year where he only played in 75, but he was on a track. I agree. He's, like, right to me. Like, they were both on a track, and then their injuries took over their career. By the way, if if you went by football standards, Don Mattingly, David Wright, Pedroia, guys who had unbelievable careers that were shortened because of injury, those guys get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, look at Patrick Willis. He might go in this year. Yeah. I well, mean, Willis they, retired they, early, but he not because of injury. He's retired early. But it's like Gail Sayers. Yeah. I mean, you'll look yeah. at guys that were – but they got injured and they didn't have the full careers and they still got into where baseball wants the longevity. Yeah, that the whole thing is, you know, they, they used to have standards, right? They used to have numbers that were guaranteed to get you in. It was 3,000 hits, 300 wins. You know, they had all this stuff. And now we're not looking at those – it's so – murky it's murky who's voting that's a big thing too who's voting like when you really want to know like look at every single person now i don't want to do it i don't have that kind of time i want to know everybody who's voting i want to know what they do for a living now because obviously you got to be a writer you have to baseball writers association do you still cover the game how often do you cover the game I want to know everybody because I have a feeling and it's sad. I don't root for this, but because the newspaper business is dying, so many of these people have lost their jobs or they do other stuff now. You know, they might write for who knows what website, whatever, and they don't cover baseball anymore. Like how many, how many, how many, how many people have ballots now? Cause I know it's been reduced. It's probably 400 something. How many of those four 400 are actively covering the game in the last, let's say, five to ten years. I mean, I know people, I'm not going to mention, who are retired and still voting. Retired. They don't go to sports games anymore. They don't go to professional sports games anymore. They're retired, but they still have a vote. So it's like, how do, what do we do? I don't know, but we need to do something. If you want to keep, keep people still interested, 
But there's these other guys, you know, Andrew Jones, not one of the greatest center fielders of all time. Yes, he is. But he has, but he's had, I think he's had some off the field stuff that's going to maybe hold him back. Ooh, I didn't really know about his office, but you see what I'm saying, right? We get, you know, how we decide who is should be a changing, and um, I don't know where we go from here. But I just want to look up Andrew Jones's numbers. You're telling one of the greatest defensive center fielders that hit 434 home runs. This guy's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean, and what he did defensively, what he did defensively was incredible for those Braves teams that had how many Hall of Famers on it? Let's see, their manager is a Hall of Famer. Their top three pitches were Hall of Famers. Um, Chipper Jones was a Hall of Famer. And you're telling me this guy isn't a Hall of Famer? He 100% is. But, again, what happened to him um, it, off the field is going to come into question for sure. With, and it's the same thing that's hurt Omar Vizquel recently because he's had allegations too. Like yeah, Vizquel, we haven't even brought him up. Yeah, I mean, look, he went from Viscal this year had twenty three point nine percent of the vote, and back in twenty, let me pull up a couple of years ago because I went all the way down the line to to twenty twenty six to see if anybody was on there that we'd be excited about. Um, last year, Om- Omar Viscal had forty forty nine point one percent. He dropped down to twenty four, so he lost twenty five percent of his vote this year alone. All righty, that is going to do it for our special edition of A's Cast Live. In the end, we celebrate a great, great career. David Ortiz, who we remember back, is hitting his 400th career home run at the Oakland Coliseum. What a great ovation it was by A's fans, understanding the greatness that it is to hit 400 home runs. But uh, what a career. Not only did he put up the numbers during the regular season, He showed up when it mattered most in the postseason. One of the greatest postseason players and leaders we have ever seen in our great sport. I look forward to hearing his speech. I look forward to having Pedro Martinez. I saw the video when he got the call. Pedro was behind him. You know how much we love Pedro Martinez on this show. Truly one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the game. But his speech and all the people that he's going to thank that have helped him in his life get to this point this point of immortality i think is going to be great it'll be a it'll be a fun celebration because wherever big poppy goes fun follows him and now when we watch him on fox during the postseason he'll be with our man frank thomas as a baseball Hall of Famer covering our great game. So congratulations to David Ortiz, because with all the noise and all the stuff going on around this, in the end, this is his day and also his day on that Sunday, the last weekend in July, where we will honor him as the what again? First ballot Hall of Famer, the 49th? Uh, 58th uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. I was close. The 58th first ballot Hall of Famer. It's well-deserved. What a champion and what a player he was. Commander, we will be back hopefully sooner or later. Enjoy your vacation. Thank you. I can't wait to get back to Pennsylvania. It's going to be 20 degrees when I get back there. And for this, in the few days that I'm going to be there. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm going to be ready to go once we're back in action. 
Thank you for listening to a Hall of Fame edition of A's Cast Live. Be well and be safe, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.